This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. And remember, for all of your wagering needs, you go to the Bet Rivers app, it's new and improved, and uh, it will continue uh, to provide everything you need in the ever-expanding world of uh, sports uh, wagering. Um, and remember, it's uh, Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, Play Sugar House in Connecticut. We open this morning with, of course, uh, the Mets, who have hit a, not just a pothole, they have uh, driven really just driven the uh, vehicle on this season into uh, an abutment where they are, have been hit head on. They are nine games out in the loss column. They have, are now much closer in the division to last place than they are to first. And when you hold a mirror up to the Mets, and if they held one up to themselves and looked at the Braves, the Braves are so significantly better than the Mets in the lineup, in the starting pitching, in the bullpen, that it's scary. It's scary when you look at the teams. Uh, when you look at what the Met payroll is and you look at what they put the money in, uh, the Mets have some real serious issues and are going to need to be bailed out in certain areas. Look at it realistically right now. Their lineup is hit or miss. Their starting pitching is providing very little consistency. And other than Robinson, who did give up the big home run last night as he tried to get a five-out save, and he has been very good to exceptional to this point in the season. I mean, as just a pure closer, he was actually ahead of Diaz's pace. But he's been asked to do a lot because there's no bullpen in front of him. The bullpen stinks. Let's be honest. And this series showed it. The Mets blew 4-1, 4-1 leads in the first two games of the series and a 10-7 lead, three straight games where they had three-run leads and could not close the door on a victory. They got nothing out of Verlander. They got nothing out of Scherzer. They got nothing out of the bullpen. Alonzo's hurt after being very chirpy and being, let's be honest, somewhat immature. Whether you like what he did or not, the bottom line is, why do it? Act like you've been there and done that. You know, Pete's hit enough home runs that he doesn't have to talk. Pete's proved himself to the point where he doesn't have to talk. And he doesn't have to try to anger the other team at a time when your team is in a absolute nosedive. I mean, this team right now is just bad, and it's looking around 
for a way to lose. Now, you can look at it as Buck did last night in the postgame. You know Buck's going to do that. And say, hey, we fought back. Hey, we scored runs. Hey, we did this. Hey, we did that. My team didn't quit. They didn't quit. They scored runs. But they couldn't get anybody out. They're not consistent in any way. They have found a jewel in Alvarez. They now have to put him in the middle of the lineup and let him prove that he can't play there. Okay, they're giving Beatty a full chance. I say leave him alone, let him play. Vientos, I think, has got to go back to the minors. I think he's overmatched. I don't think he's ready for this, and the Mets have to go get another bat because they can't put these guys out there who give them no productivity. And you know what? Right now, Pham deserves to play. He's shown enough that he deserves to get at bats. But the Mets are going nowhere if McNeil and Lindor and you have a healthy Alonzo. They need those things. And they've got to get something out of their pitching. They can't have Scherzer give up five runs in a big game. They can't have Verlander go three innings. You're paying these guys a fortune. You can't have them pitching three innings in these games. The Mets last year went down to Atlanta and got destroyed. They got knocked cold. They went back to Atlanta this week, and Atlanta said, you know what? We did it to you last year. Let's see if we just smack you around again. And they smacked them around all week this week. And they left them bloodied by the side of the road on their way to Pittsburgh. And the schedule's not easy right now. Pittsburgh's not a pushover. Then they play the Yankees. The Cardinals are improving. And then they got to go play the Astros. But it doesn't matter who the Mets are playing right now. They, they want to play like this, they're not going to beat anybody. Which is why they are now six games in the midst of a six-game losing streak. Three games under 500 behind everybody but the Nationals. And don't look now, but the Marlins have decided to have a season. I mean, check out what the Marlins are doing. The Marlins have won six straight games and a 35 and 28. The Phillies have won five straight games and jumped ahead of the Mets. And the only reason the Mets aren't in last place is because Washington lost the last four games. Otherwise, the Mets would be in the bottom of the division. And the Mets right now are eight and a half games out, nine in the loss column. With 99 games to play. And it's not about 99 games to play. It's not about eight and a half games out. It's about how do you fix your problems? And they have multiple problems. Their bullpen is not good. Their starting pitching is not good. Their lineup has major holes in it. They are badly put together. They have talent. They have stars. They aren't getting productivity from a lot of them. 
but they're also carrying some dead wood. And that's hard to do because it comes back. It comes back to get you. It just does. There's no way around it. And when you see Atlanta and you see the fact that Atlanta sports a lineup where Olsen has 17 homers and Albies has 14 homers and Kuna, who has unbelievable talent, has 12 homers and Murphy has 12 homers and Azuna's got 12 homers and Riley's got 12 homers and Rosario's got eight home runs. That's eight different guys. That's up and down the entire lineup. Power, talent, speed. They made great catches. They hit home runs. The Mets have three guys in double figures, and that's because Alvarez has gone on a tear now. They have three guys. The Braves have seven guys, and if you count the last guy, he's got eight. They got eight guys who are close to double figures in homers. Eight. The Mets got three guys who have any home runs. Lindor. Alvarez and Alonso. That's it. Let's have two guys who have over 25 RBIs. Yeah, they're both at the top of the league, but that's it. Lindor and Alonso. I know Marte's going to hit better and play better. And the ball he let under his glove last night was shameful. But you know what? He's a good player. He's had a bad start. I would leave Beatty alone. He looks overmatched at times, but not all the time. I'd give him a chance to prove what he can do. Fam has to play. If he's here, he's got to play because he's got some punch. The guys like Volgoback, you know what? Enough. Enough. And Vientos, you know what? It's not about giving him more at-bats. He looks overmatched to me. I think he's got to go back and prove it again from the minors. Alvarez, though, goes in the middle of the lineup. He should bat fourth if Alonzo's not in the lineup, and he should bat fifth if Alonzo is in the lineup. He's not a number two hitter. He's a number five hitter. And he might be a future cleanup hitter. The ball jumps off his bat. But where just you look at it anywhere and they can't get six innings out of a starter. And their middle relief doesn't scare anybody. Right now they can't hold a lead, they can't keep a lead, and they can't get a decent start out of their starting pitcher. There are a lot of issues here. Now, we know they have infinite resources. But remember, if Verlander and Scherzer are not going to do it, nothing is going to work. They are here this year. They are here next year. They are walk-in Hall of Famers. But they're old and they're not getting the job done. 
And that is not a good sign. They have to get they have to get productivity out of those guys. They have to. They built this team to get productivity out of them. If they can't, they can't win. And right now, we don't know how long Alonzo is going to be out. That's number one. Number two, there's no confidence anywhere on that team in anything. There's no confidence with the guy you send to the mound any night. There's no confidence when you turn the game over to the bullpen with a lead in any inning. And Robinson, I listen, he's been great. He got a big break last night on the strike three to Azunia, Azuna, Azuna, which was about a foot inside. Okay, that should have been ball four. And then he might have got a bad break on the check swing. Could have been strike three. Could have been. It was debatable. But the ball to Azuna was a joke. It was a foot inside. It's one of the worst pitch calls I've ever seen. The ball was so inside. It wasn't even debatable that it was inside. And then he got one hit 10 miles, but they're asking him to get five outs. You know, if he's in there to pitch the ninth inning with nobody on and he's got a couple of run leads, he's going to get the job done. Multiple inning saves are tough on any guy. And that's a tough lineup that hits a lot of home runs. But once you go to get Robinson out of that game, you know the Mets aren't winning that game. As soon as they didn't score any runs in the top of the inning, you know they weren't winning that game. There was no chance they were winning that game. As for the Yankees, listen. When Judge isn't in the lineup, it exposes just how vulnerable the Yankees are. I mean, the Yankees split a doubleheader yesterday. They got great pitching in the second game. They had their chances in the first game. But uh, Rizzo, who I love, has obviously been nursing a neck injury. He hurt himself in the Sunday San Diego game. He's won for 20 since he did. Okay. He hit the double play late in the game. He hasn't looked good at the plate in two since the San Diego series. It happens. All right, they had a chance to win that game. They didn't. But they have a lot of, a lot of weak spots in that lineup. It doesn't look anything like, I mean, they're going to be fine getting to the playoffs. We know that. They don't have to win the division to do that. There's going to be room for them in the, in the playoffs, and then it's about what they do. If they go wild card and win it, nobody cares. But you know what? They have question marks. They have live arms, and they have impressive starters, but it doesn't add up to what it should add up to. They don't get as much out of the guys. And now with Cortez hurt, they don't get as much out of the guys as they should. Severino, I went to the San Diego game on Saturday. He pitched brilliantly. The last two starts, he hasn't looked good. And 
And although they have live arms in the bullpen, I don't trust them. And I, for one, am not excited to see a guy like Khan, uh, like Falefa playing in left field. I, I'm sorry, okay? He's a utility man. He's a utility infielder. He's a nice player to have on your team as a utility man, but he is not a guy who should be in the corner outfield for the Yankees. Or anywhere in the outfield for the Yankees. And it exposes just how vulnerable the Yankees are in spots. Listen, they still have Judge. They still have Cole. They still have answers. We know that. But, and they're going to win a lot more games than they lose. They're going to win 90 games. They're going to get a wild card. And then we'll see what happens. But they don't have anything that even approaches a championship look. Not even approaches it. But their problems right now are small compared to where the Mets are. The Mets right now are a franchise that is spinning, spinning out of control. They can downplay it. Buck can downplay it. They can look for the bright side like Alvarez where they've scored 10 runs or whatever you want to do. Bottom line is they aren't in the same league with the Braves. They aren't. And they have a payroll that is astronomical, and they don't have anywhere near the quality that the Braves have throughout the lineup or throughout the team. Not even close. Braves are a championship-level team. Mets look like patchwork and bad patchwork at that. And let's be honest, an injury to Alonzo is devastating to that team. Orlando and Scherzer don't carry them. They go in the way. If those two guys don't get a run going, each of them, where they go out and, you know, put together four or five game winning streaks where they pitch really good six, seven inning baseball on a consistent basis, they're not going anywhere. They need much better from those guys than they're getting. Much better. You didn't. You did not. You did not sign them. You did not sign them to get this. I'm sorry. You did not sign Scherzer to get what you're getting right now. That's not what you did. You want better than what he's giving you right now, especially in key spots. Same thing with Verlander. They can have their moments, but Verlander, you know, when you look at the numbers, they're not going to impress you. They're not what you usually expect. 39 innings, 32 hits, 39 innings, 39 hits. 
and seven home runs. That's not what you want to see. Not what you expect to see. Not what you paid for. You want a lot better than that. You need a lot better than that. If this is going to work. I mean, you just need better than that. I mean, Scherzer's given up 49 hits in 53 innings. Expect better than that. And you expect him to be there when it counts, and neither one of them has been. You know, if somebody wants to blame Buck, go ahead and blame him. You know, it always comes back to the manager, but this is not about the manager. It's not like Buck doesn't know what strings to pull. He does. He just doesn't have a whole lot of strings to pull right now. He's got to put somebody on the mound every night. He's got to go down that bullpen and say, where, do I, where the hell am I getting a couple outs? Buck's got a lead last night. He's got Verlander out of the game. Six innings to go, and he's thinking, how the heck am I going to get 18 outs against the Braves with this bullpen? That's exactly what went through his mind last night. I don't even, I don't even have to ask him about it. He's sitting there with a lead after the Nimmo Grand Slammer saying, how the heck am I going to get 18 outs out of this bullpen tonight against that lineup? And you know what? He didn't. They scored 13 runs. He knew it was going to be a struggle. And he got there and said, I got to Robinson with a lead in the ball. I got to get five outs out of him. And he almost got there. But he didn't. It didn't happen. And you do, once it didn't happen, it wasn't going to end well. Before I get to some emails, a couple of things. Number one. I wanted to see if the Panthers responded last night. You know, listen, I don't know if this series has a lot of appeal for people here in the East or people in New York. But, you know, since they beat the Bruins, I've been a little fascinated by the Panthers. And I thought last night in the third period they were dead. Stupid penalties, got behind, weren't really carrying the play. And I said, uh, I think they, I think the other teams, which is the better team, is going to get them. And they got the game into overtime and got another big play out of a big player who has really responded in the playoffs and, and then win the game. I don't think they're going to win the series, but at least they made it interesting now. I told you the other night that I, the Heat had to win game three to make this series interesting, and, and then I didn't think they would. I told you that I really believe that Denver gave away game two. They've won almost every quarter in the series. They let down in the second, in the second game in the fourth quarter, going into the quarter with an eight-point lead, let down dramatically, played no defense, infuriated their coach, lost the game, and were angry about it, and then won game three easily. Miami doesn't have a lot of answers for, for Denver. Here's how I look at it. If the Heat win game four, the series goes six. If the Heat win 
if Denver wins game four, the series goes five. Denver's the better team. The Joker is the class of the league. What he's doing is incredibly impressive. They have no answers, and they are smaller at every position, and it's a huge problem. The other team has too many shooters. They can't play the Joker straight up. They can't double him if they double him. He makes great passes for dunks and threes, and that's even worse. So he's going to get 40 or he's going to get, you know, 28 to 30 and 15 and 10, as he seems to get every night. And they have too many shooters. And remember, they didn't even shoot the ball well from three in game three, and they still coasted. Coasted. And they didn't shoot the ball well. If they shoot the ball well in game four from three, they'll win by a mile. They're the much better team, and they're the much bigger team. It's not a good matchup. The Heat have done a great job getting here, and they're trying their hardest, but it's, it's not enough. They're not going to win this series. Joker's going to win this championship, and you know what? He deserves one the way he's played. Belmont, we should be okay with the weather quality this morning. The air quality is 69 under 50, I gather, is good. Now, I'm just learning about air quality. I've never even thought of it before. But, you know, we were up to 484 the other day. Uh, I, I told you I played golf in that. And when I started, I didn't notice it. And then by the time I hit the back nine, it was getting, you know, like, orange out. And I was like, what the, what is going on? It was like something in a science fiction movie. You know, it was really strange. And by the time we left there, it was weird out. Now, yesterday wasn't as bad, but the number was still up around 200 and then down to like 180 by the time night fell. Then this morning it's 69. So I think they will run at Belmont today. They said at Belmont they'll run if the number's under 150. So they should be good for today and good for tomorrow. I will put up the Belmont, <clears throat> I will put up the Belmont uh, selection by about noon today. I'm still thinking about it. It's a little bit of a puzzle, but I'm still thinking about it. I think Brad hit on the long shot that is the long shot that makes sense, and that's hit show. I agree with that. But I don't think he's the winner. I think he might be second or third, but I, I, and I think he might make the exotic, but I think that he, I don't think he'll be the winner, though. I have a thought, but I'm still tossing it around. As I told you, Casa Creed going to become the first horse to win three, the same grade one three straight times since Forgo in 74, which would be a great, great, that's the ninth race on Saturday, um, would be a great achievement. A couple of horses in there you got to watch, including Big Evasion, Invasion, who is in, uh, uh, de- quickly developing horse who's going to be coming strong. When Casa makes his move, and Casa's move is, when he makes his move, there's nobody can stay with him. It's unbelievable. Six furlongs, there's no horse in the country that has the kick at six furlongs that he has. Not even close. So if he gets a trip, he'll win. But there's a lot of horses in the race, so he, he never can say for sure, but I would think he, I think he'll win the race. I think the exact is him over a big invasion. Um, 
And it's a good card. It's a good card today, especially after the fifth race. It's a good card tomorrow. It's a terrific card tomorrow. And I think they will run both days. So that should be going on. And the Mets and the Yankees come Tuesday at City Field. Let's see if the Mets can find a way back to the winner's circle in uh, Pittsburgh this weekend, starting this evening. The Yankees will see a team we haven't talked about or thought about very much this year. They go by the name of the Red Sox. They have not been on the – they haven't played them yet this year, so they will see each other this evening for the first time. Your emails when we come back. Want to email the Mike Francesa podcast? Drop Mike a note at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. I remember for the emails, you go to mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. Claudio, if Andrew Luck never retired, how good a career would he have had? Would he have been mentioned alongside Brady? Well, I don't know if he would have won, you know, a collection of Super Bowls. But as far as performance, he was on his way to being, I think, a great quarterback. I think he could have been a very, very special player, yes. It's a very sad thing what happened. I mean, uh, I think he's living a good life. He made plenty of money. He retired having made, I think, over $150 million. He's a smart guy out of Stanford. Uh, I'm sure he's handled his money well. Um, So... He'll do well for life, and hopefully he's healthy now. But he took a severe beating, really the worst beating I ever saw a quarterback take. And he, you know, was smart enough to leave before things got really bad. With the DeGrom injury, and that is, you know, it's typical and it's very sad. And even I, and you know I've had my battles with Syndergaard. He and I have gone back and forth. Um, but I'm not going to kick him when he's down. But he has really been surprisingly bad. Um, between he and David Wright, which Met would have been more likely to get to the Hall of Fame if they stayed healthy? David Wright would have been. David Wright was on a path to the Hall of Fame halfway through his career. Uh, DeGrom was going to have a hard time getting to the Hall of Fame because it was going to be a question of how ma- how many full seasons he was going to log. He got a late start, and he's been injured a lot. So we know at his best he has been brilliant, but he has not put in the requisite work to be a Hall of Famer. And you don't know now if he will ever do that because age is an issue and health is a major issue. So we might talk about him. You might talk about him to the next generation, And and wonder, you know, what might have been. Uh, Duncan Hilton Head. The Braves lineup is so much stronger than the Mets. Oh, that is very true. Uh, what can the Mets do to close the gap? Hey, they can play better, they can pitch better, and they can get more production out of the guys they have, but they also need to make some changes. They need another starting pitcher. They need another relief pitcher. They need another bat. And they need them all desperately. What do I make of Pete Alonso? This is from Jason. What do I make of Pete Alonso taunting the opposing pitcher after he hit the home run? I thought it made him look silly. 
Um, there comes a point in your emergence as a star player, and Peter's a star player, where you assume a certain role and your performance speaks for itself. Pete, I think, should realize he's already there. He doesn't have to say things like he said. He doesn't have to draw attention like he said. And also, when you come into a town and you're already batted and beaten and you're hoping that the Braves don't kick you all over the town, you do it quietly. And instead, Pete opened his mouth and the Braves shut it for him by kicking the Mets all over town and sending them on their merry way nine games behind. So the Braves have had plenty of laughs at the Mets' expense. Uh, From Ian, uh, with Liv purchasing, merging with the PGA Tour, that's not what happened. Understand that Liv is a tour. The PIF, the money that is dedicated to sports by the Saudis, that organization is the organization that now owns, really for all intents and purposes, the PGA and all of golf. But Liv is a tour. So it's the PIF that you want to say. Now, do you think it's possible that this Saudi group makes a play in the future for infiltrating or disrupting other leagues? Yes. They believe the best way to sell their, to, to cleanse their image and sell their brand as a nation is through sports and through what has been called sports washing. Using sports to cleanse your image. Now, we all know what their image is as a nation. Their lack of tolerance, their brutality, and everything else. We all know we don't need to go through that step by step, but we all know what it is. We also know they have an an embarrassment of riches. So the PGA, and I've heard a lot of golf people try to spin this towards the PGA, which is just utterly laughable and impossible to do. Because the PGA and their leadership did an about-face. The question is why? Well, the answer is clearly they saw that they were headed towards a very tough time financially. Not that Liv was doing well. It wasn't. If it was doing well, I don't think the Arabs would have played ball. I think it wasn't doing well, which is why they played ball. Now, what they want is golf. So they decided to take a different tact to get it. Live will go away. Anyone who doesn't see this, live will go away. The players who went to live, who want to come back into the PGA, will be asked to do something, make some financial restitution, put some money into the PGA, whatever it is, they will be asked to give up some of their cash. I think that will be the penalty. They'll probably have some kind of meeting of the minds on that, and that will be how the people who are important 
to the sport come back in. Phil is still important, but he's older. But you're talking about Dustin Johnson and Kepka and Cameron Smith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. Now, why did the PJ do it? One, they were ensuing enormous legal costs and a threat of more in the future. Two, they were having trouble with some of their own sponsors. And they were having trouble with sponsors who have connections to the Saudi money in different ways that was impacting some of the money being transferred towards the PGA. So the PGA saw some issues going forward and decided to sell out. They're going to cancel live. They might put some kind of team format into one of the other world tours. And they will create a new governing body for everything except the administration of tournaments, which will still be done the same way by the 501c6. But understand, they put the guy who is the Saudi money man in as the chairman. Number two, the only money that can be put forth going forward is Saudi money. They have the right of first refusal on every single dollar. They already own a percentage now as a partner. Of the new organization, which hasn't been named yet, the LLC, how much does how much of that is now under Saudi control? Ask that question, see if you get an answer. And know that it's only going to get bigger because when you have two guys making decisions going forward and one supposedly has power and the other one controls all the money, always side with the money. And that's all Saudi. So the future of golf is their money and they already now own a piece of the golf tour and they will own a more significant one going forward. Wherever golf heads in the future. They have bought in the way they have tried to buy into soccer. They have now bought into golf. I would not be surprised, and that was the question. Will they buy into tennis? They've already tried. Will they buy into uh, basketball? Very possibly. They are already involved in horse racing in significant ways. So they are continuing to make their presence felt dramatically, and they only increase their position because they have all the money. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.